Okay. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, the Lord gives a pattern to form and guide our prayers to God. We call this pattern the Lord's Prayer because He gave it to us. He gave it to us so that our prayers would be like a firmly built house. So they would be able to weather life's storms. Why? Because they're framed according to His Word. And so in that sermon where on the mountain the Lord gave the prayer and He gave other teachings, He concludes with that parable of the house built on the rock and the house that was not. And it was the house that was built on the solid foundation. The one who does the the word of, of Jesus that stands firm. And it's the same with, with this prayer. It is given for that purpose. So that we would be able to stand firm in trials. But anyone can say these words. Millions have and daily recite the Lord's Prayer or Our Father, as the Catholic tradition calls it. But you know, it's the one who believes in Christ that will truly pray these words from the heart. Not merely saying the words, but understanding and and believing in these words that Christ has given us to pray. Pete read earlier in the service from Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It doesn't matter what words we use. The question is, do I believe in? Do I understand and believe these words? that I pray? Do we believe that we are praying to a God who is our Father in heaven and that we ought to come before Him with these requests that our Lord gave us? As we come to study these words, it's good to ask ourselves, where is my faith? Who am I trusting in? Lest we be deceived. The one who trusts in the Lord, our prayers will become more and more like this prayer of our God. So let's look at this prayer. After addressing our Father in heaven, there are six petitions or requests. These six requests can be divided into two sets of requests. The first three concerning God and His glory, and the second three concerning man's needs, our needs. So we have God's glory, 
and our needs. You can clearly see this in your Bibles by looking at the pronouns. We're in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. What do I mean by looking at the pronouns? Well, it turns out pronouns matter in more ways than one. <laughs> um, you'll notice the first three requests begin with the word your. Your name be honored. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Speaking of God. Okay. And the following requests are for us. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Right? It's pretty straightforward. But the structure here is important. It's important because a priority is given to our petitions. A priority is given to our prayers. We're taught by Christ that God's glory comes before our needs. His honor comes before me. Brothers and sisters, God's honor and glory should be our most fervent prayer, our greatest concern. When we think of Him who is our maker, who is our deliverer, our savior, the one who gives us life and everything we have, the one from whom every good and perfect gift comes. Who's more important than our God? And yet often our prayers tell a different story. They, they tell a story that goes like this. Me, God, I'm, I'm what matters. If we would learn to pray like the psalmist, Earnestly from the heart. Again, we can just say words, um, but from the heart to say, like the psalmist, not to us, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. That's the prayer of the one who has faith in God, who sees God as the greatest treasure. God is the one. In whom true joy and pleasure is found. If you want to know life, we want to know joy. It's not found in the pursuit of ourselves, but in giving glory to God our Father in heaven. And so to that end, for His glory, we're taught to pray for these three things. We're going to look at them. To pray that God's name would be hallowed. To pray that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done. First, we're taught to pray Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Which is to say, before anything else, Father, honor your name. Okay? Honor your name. To hallow something is to sanctify or declare it holy. In this case, 
to honor the one who is holy, to recognize him and pray that he would be honored for who he is. That God would honor and exalt himself. For God's name is one and the same as his being. Okay? When we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in him as a, as an, a person. When we pray that God's name would be honored, we're praying that he himself would be honored. So the Lord teaches us to aim our prayers away from ourselves and towards God. To join the angel's song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And pray to that end. That God would be honored and he would be worshipped as holy. That he would be set apart in every way in our lives. Such a prayer begins with us. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, speaking to the Christian, in your hearts, he says, sanctify or hallow or honor Christ the Lord as holy. So he is holy. Will you honor him? Will you set him apart as Lord in your life to reverence and worship him? This means that we don't treat Christ as one of the many good things in our lives to be added on with other things. We set him as we should exalted on the throne in our lives. And with sincerity, we're asking, may I with the whole creation honor your name. May my life today honor you. We're lifting up Christ. And this goes beyond our own lives to praying that he would be honored in all things, in every place, in every person. So we have prayers like the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 148. And he, and he says, kings and all peoples, it's a call to the whole world, young men and young women together, old men and children, all of you, let them praise the name of the Lord. Why? For his name alone is exalted. Because he's worthy of honor. He's worthy of our praise. His majesty, the psalmist says, is above heaven and earth. So we, we don't praise the creation. We don't look at the heavens and go, how amazing the heavens are. We praise the God who is above the heavens and the earth. We praise Him as creator of all things. 
We praise Him as Savior. For He raised up a horn for His people. Horn is the symbol of a deliverer, a ruler. He's raised up a Messiah for His people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's shown His holiness, His glory, by creating all things and by saving. Saving His people and extending that offer to all the world. So is is the Lord's name and His honor your greatest desire? If we're honest, it's often not our first thought and prayer. But as we come to know God, as He reveals Himself to us in His kindness and His grace and His His majesty, this becomes our prayer through Christ in His Spirit that the world would know and worship this God and that we who bear His name, we say, I'm a Christian. I follow the God of Israel. That we who bear His name would live to honor that name. That's what this first request is about. What we're praying for. Is that a part of your prayers? The second request follows on this first one. Because in order that God be honored by all, we pray that His kingdom would come. We pray your kingdom come. We want God's name to be honored. We want His kingdom. God's kingdom is His rule and dominion. Okay? His authority. His rule is a rule of grace towards those that trust in His Son. Those that follow Him. And it's a rule of judgment towards the unrepentant sinner. There are both sides when we consider the kingdom of God. His mercy and His justice. At work. In a sense, the kingdom is here and now. Christ came, and what was his message? Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. Why? The king was there. And by and large, the people rejected him. But to those who believe, the kingdom came by the Spirit of God, God dwelling within His people. God's kingdom, even now, at work in our lives, His rule as He changes our hearts, and as He gives us victory over sin, and enables us to follow Him, And is more and more come to know Him. But in another sense, 
We have to acknowledge that the kingdom in all its glory is still to come. And we look forward to that. We're praying for that as we pray your kingdom come. We're praying not only for the here and now-ness of the kingdom, but for the fulfillment of it. We're longing that he himself, the king, would come again. And on both sides, we can err. On one hand, we could say it's all about the future and forget about the power of God and the grace of God for today. But on the other hand, we can make it all about today and forget about the fulfillment to come. We can make it about our lives here on earth and wanting God here and now and his blessings now and forget about Christ and not desire his coming. So we're taught to look to that kingdom both now and forever. To seek after God's rule and honor and glory to advance. The reformers, when they talked about the Lord's Prayer, they would often pray that the kingdom of grace would grow and advance. That God's grace would be made known by more and more people as they came to know the Lord. Trust in Him. And they would pray that the kingdom of glory would come soon. When all wrongs be set aright, and God would dwell with His people forever. This looks like praying that God would have His way in us. It looks like praying that God would draw more people to himself. Praying for the conversion of souls because that is entrance into the kingdom of God through faith in Christ. Do we pray for that? Do we long for it? It's also to pray that God and his rule would advance until he comes again. Our God and Savior Jesus Christ appears and the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. What a great day for those who love Him. So what about our prayers? Do they reflect a concern for God's rule to come, a desire for his grace and glory to be made known in our lives, in our community, in the cosmos? This means foregoing comfort for a cross, okay? To pray. Your kingdom come is to say, God, I want to I follow you. Christ, I'm going to deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. There's no crown without a cross. And praise God that he, he bore our sins on that tree so that by his finished work, we can walk through this life through all its hardships, and we, we can do that with hope.
You see, to pray for God's kingdom to come is also to pray for the third request. Your will be done. The rule of God does not come where the will of God is not done. Okay? There will come a day when Christ will subdue all his enemies under his feet. Whether they believed in him or not. But for the kingdom to come in our lives is to trust and and believe in Christ and to pray with our Lord, your will be done. It's a prayer for God to be king in our lives and this world. As one pastor put it, this prayer is the way that we sign on in our turn for the work of the kingdom. We're saying it's not just for out there. I'd love the kingdom of God to come out there, but I don't want your will and your way in my life. No, we want the will of God to be done. To pray, this prayer is to pray, yes, Lord, I want your way here and now as it's fully and completely done in heaven. Is to pray, change my will to yours because my will is all over the place. The things that I want even to do, I don't have the will and the power to do them. Jesus said to the disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And even there we need God to enable us to lay down our lives for his sake. We need his spirit to come as he came on the day of Pentecost. Strengthen and empower his his disciples. To pray your will be done is to say, I want to obey you like the angels do in heaven. All right. Those that did not rebel, they remain to this day praising God, doing his bidding. Is that our desire? One implication of a prayer like this, if we really mean it, is that we'll go about learning all we can about the will of God. We won't be satisfied with, well, I'll obey you a little bit here and there, but a hunger to know and to follow him, to to want to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and, and to live it out by his power. Not to be picking and choosing the things that we like because that is our will. We'll say, I'll, I'll love up to this point. And, and we, 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 we love our, our neighbors. We, we love uh, you know, the nice ones and we love uh, you know, our family. Uh, but Christ says, love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Right? Not picking and choosing. And it's to pray that we would have the grace to to walk in his ways. It's to look to him to, to strengthen us. This is perhaps the hardest prayer to pray. 
because it, it doesn't allow us to um, put this somewheres out there, you know. This has to do with your life, your desires, your heart, and mine. It's not a walk on the seashore. It's not a quaint little prayer. It's a battle cry against the inborn desire that we have for my will, for my way. But you know what? I take great comfort in in this. The Lord Jesus, who gave us these instructions, who taught us to pray in this way, Do you know what he did? Do you know what he prayed? Not my will, but yours be done. And he didn't just say those words, which sound awfully nice, you know, put it on a postcard. Um, But he submitted himself to the Father's will by going to the cross. Why did he do that, brothers and sisters? Caleb is learning... uh, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he did that. That's why he came. Think of this, brothers and sisters. If the will of God the Father for Christ meant life for you who believe, then surely his will for you is not evil. No, he has better in mind for us than though we might not understand it and though we might not want it. Though we might not have the strength to carry it out. Indeed, we don't. But the Spirit of God does. Christ is enough. He's able. He went to the cross for that very purpose that He might deliver us and save us to the uttermost, the author of Hebrews said. All the way. Completely. And so though we we may be like... uh, Sheep to be slaughtered. And there are Christians today, brothers in chains, brothers facing trials where they will lose their lives. They're experiencing the reality of what Paul quotes in Romans 8. He says, we're like sheep to be slaughtered. Can that separate us from the love of God? No, no. Even there, the love of God is greater. His will is better. He is better for us than we know. And he's able to make us stand. Just as he enabled the disciples, the apostles to stand, right? We know they couldn't do it on their own because they failed. Utterly and completely, every one of them left him. But God was able to make them stand in the end by his spirit. 
to testify before kings, before the emperor, for governors. Whatever God has for you and I, he can make us stand. If indeed we trust Christ alone and have been born again by his spirit. What a joy to be able to to know and do the will of God. Because however hard, God's way is the way of life. Do do you believe that, brothers and sisters? The fool thinks my way is better. Wisdom says that all our ways lead to death. The follower of Christ remembers the promise of God. It's given just a little bit further in Jesus' talk. He addresses worry. He addresses being anxious about all these things that we need. And he says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things. What things? The worries you have about tomorrow, the needs you have for today, all the things that trouble us. All these things will be added unto you. That's a remarkable promise. We're told that the one who prioritizes God's glory before ourselves, God's kingdom before our needs, God's will rather than our own. If we seek first his kingdom, we desire righteousness. We won't lack anything that we need. Brothers, God's able and willing to provide physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all that's needed. But he demands the first place. He who offered his own son for us deserves nothing less than our all, our our trust, our affection, our joy. And you know what? When we put the Lord first, we have the best thing. We have the the best portion. We have the thing that matters most in life. And all those little things that we worry about and fret over, God can take care of. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He made the stars in the sky and knows them all by name. He's given them all names and we we haven't even begun to count them all and let alone name them. Do we believe that we're most satisfied when we're glorifying Him, 
this is a matter of the heart to pray the, this prayer. To pray, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not the words we rattle off. Mere words are nothing more than play acting. But, but in few places are our heart's desires more obvious than our prayers. Words mean something. And especially when we pray in, in private. What do we pray about? What is our chief desire? Because we prioritize what we love. We prioritize what we care about. What you and I pray reflects our heart. So let me suggest two things in in terms of application. First, do we evaluate our words? Evaluate your words. Take the scalpel of Christ's word of instruction here to your own heart and consider whether he is the chief desire and prayer of your heart. Is that what you desire? And if you find, as you so often do, there is sin, there are so many other things that we cherish more that we hold on to pray pray for a greater measure of the right heart I think of David's prayer in Psalm 51 renew a right spirit within me O God right you know if David a man after God's own heart needed such a work I'm pretty sure completely sure that we also need God to do that, to renew in us a spirit that loves God more than anything else. And it's good to pray that way. That is to pray in line with these prayers. It's to say, Lord, help me do what I can't do on my own. Help me love you more than anything else. Above all, our needs and all our wants. May the cry of our hearts be, Father, honor your name. Above all names, even mine. If you have to bring me low today to grow your kingdom, Lord, make me less and you greater. Have your way in me and, and in all the world. For the sake of his name, his glory. The people of God pray for his kingdom to come, his grace and his glory to be made known. And so that his kingdom would come, we pray that his will would be done. Always keeping in mind that his glory comes before our needs. His glory is the thing that matters most above all.